And welcome to another edition of the Counseling Experience. And wow, that's awesome. So remember last week I came on and we talked about um, a show that was going to happen this week. And I tried my hardest to, uh, to, to, to get the electronics to work and all of that stuff. And, and I got to not move stuff around because, yeah, there we go. And, and I couldn't get them to work. And so we just said to you, all right, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Now, I don't believe that an adversary of all that is good in this world blocked me from doing a show last week. I think I'm just dumb when it comes to electronics. But a little bit of what we're talking about today is that there is an adversary of all that is good in this world that would love for you to fail as an individual. Now, this adversary that I'm speaking of is a very real adversary. It's not a a misty, mystical, almost around that, uh, you know, some people with a certain uh, sixth sense can, can, can see it and feel it but a very real adversary that knows you in a very real way. And there's also a, a, a heavenly father, a higher power that knows you as an individual in a very real way. That's my belief. You don't have to believe what I believe, but that's my belief. And that's what I want to talk about today because I believe that that adversary that is against anything good is really taking aim at families. I'm a marriage and family therapist by trade. And so I spend more time than most watching over, talking with, researching, studying family systems. And, and much of the study that I'm doing is, is uh, around what are the problems right now. I remember back when I very first started the, uh, the counseling world and I very first started uh, researching uh, family conflict and high conflict within families, um, there was a lot of, um, you know, substance abuse and... Uh, uh, things around the substance abuse world, some violence, domestic violence has been around forever, sadly. And and really, there was there was no fault. Divorce was really ramping up, and so divorce rates were uh, were, were moving, um, skyrocketing. They were more and more people were finding it much easier to divorce than to resolve conflict. And so I watched that all happen. And really, much of the problem was apathy. Much of the problems in relationships was the idea that it was just, you know, easier to get a divorce. There was a thing that the, the, the rumor of uh, starter marriages um, kicked up around those years in the, in the 80s and, and what have you. And, and it's graduated to where today there is a, uh, a, a complete onslaught of time starvation, like marriages are being time starved. Um, the world of social media, we're going to talk a little bit about how that is such a wonderful thing, social media. There's so many good things that you can do, but you can also get lost online and forget that you have live people all around you. And that's, that, that's starting to, to create this starvation. And when people are starved, they look for food, right? Well, when a relationship is starved, it looks for connection. And part of the problem in the world today is is everything from infidelity to emotional infidelity to uh, to ignoring to not even so much fighting as ignoring and becoming indifferent to each other. And uh, and and I just want to throw out there that I think the family system is under attack. And I think that uh, what I want to talk to today is not the uh, college students per se, not the the, the 
the, the full family system, but to moms and dads, husbands and wives. I want to talk to the husbands and wives because you guys, you husbands and wives are the warriors on the front line of this battle. And there's three fronts that I want to talk about today. The three fronts have to do with, uh, with very specific details that mothers and fathers can either do correctly or incorrectly and either enhance or destroy the relationship with uh, the rest of their family, themselves and their spouses, and, and really uh, break up a family. Now, if the adversary of all that's good wants to destroy a community, a nation, a world, that adversary, that devil is going to attack the family. It's going to attack moms and dads. That's really just one of the, 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 the rules. That's part of why I became a counselor. The, the other reason is really my only skill set is kind of being able to talk. Um, the ability to talk for hours and entertain myself and have no fear or shame in that arena makes it so that it's kind of a nice, between radio and, and, and therapy, a nice career path. But the other reason... Second to that probably is I really um, am interested in the preservation of families because I notice that when a family is together, connected, strong, and happy, then all the members of that family participate and really get the reward of it. When a family system is a train wreck filled with pain, and, and anguish, there's generally a perpetrator, but everyone in the family feels it and is, uh, receives the, the, the damning consequence of it. And so in my mind, if, if I want to be the source of assisting people to find peace and joy and passion, then I'm going to strengthen families. Do you know how your kids launch from a intact, really solid, connected, loving family they launch much more confidently than kids that launch from a family that is in anguish, fighting, uh, filled with trauma and, uh, and, and argument. And so really the, the whole idea of, the, of this show today is, is how do we become warriors and masters of, of marriage rather than disasters of marriage and, and really lose the battle? And so remember just a moment ago, um, first, I think they, uh, they do suggest I introduce myself. Dr. Matt is, uh, is I'm going to start talking about myself in third person. Dr. Matt is a wonderful, no, I'm going to say, my name is Dr. Matt, Dr. Matt Eschler. I am with a Southern Utah Counseling Experience and recently merged with St. George Center for Couples and Families. Uh, we have offices in St. George, Hurricane, Cedar City, Richfield, Delta, and uh, there's more on the way. We're going to uh, move into Nevada and probably up into Arizona here in the next uh, uh, two years. And so really excited about the prospects there. And the whole focus of these centers is to create two different synergies, two different trajectories. One, we want to help as many families as possible. And we want to influence families to a higher level of behavior, to a more passionate, more juicy level of behavior. And the second, we want to help those of you that want to be counselors and coaches, we want to train the best force, the best fighting force, the best warriors to help moms and dads in their battle with the adversary that's aimed at destroying their family. So Dr. Matt, you can call me at any time, 435-688-1111. 
And uh, Wendy and or Chris will answer that call and aim you in the right direction for help or to uh, suggest show topics that you would like researched. Or really, quite honestly, um, if you get Chris on the phone, she's, uh, she's my wife, I would like you to just tell her how awesome you think I am. Now, if you have a complaint or a critique, just don't call her. Uh, call Wendy or somebody else, but let Chris know that you think I'm awesome so that she continues to know that, you know, that maybe she's married to someone that's awesome and, uh, and we can move ahead that way. So Dr. Matt Eschler with a Southern Utah Counseling Experience St. George Center for Couples and Families. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare in 2018. <clears throat> My voice is doing the rush, uh, the, 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 uh, the, what do you call that mucus thing? So I've, I got to take a drink really quick. Hold on. Do you remember a moment ago I mentioned that there's three fronts in this war that moms and dads are fighting, that the husbands and wives are fighting to preserve the family? I'm going to give you the labels and then talk about each one of them for just a little bit. So I want you to think to yourself, as you're moving through this life, and if you're a married person, a person with a lover or a partner, and you're really working at raising or creating a family and, and you're, you're, you're struggling maybe sometimes, having a lot of joy other times, but you just recognize that there's something a little bit off. And we're going to talk about three different fronts that you can fight that off feeling so that it doesn't take hold and, and pull you down the wrong road. And, and, and so just be, be ready for that. And if you're a, a college student here on campus, I'm on the Dixie State University campus. If you're a college student and you belong to a family because you do, you might notice as you move into your own um, marriages, into your own relationships, these three things are things that start the first moment you enter into a relationship. So I could literally do this show for couples that are dating, for parent-child relationships, for um, child-child relationships, and, and you name it. If there's a relationship in a familial system, uh, this will work. I'm going to speak to husbands and wives today because... I believe, again, they are the frontline warriors. They are the ones that uh, make major decisions that affect the kids that a lot of times kids have no control over. For example, if Chris and I got a divorce tomorrow, our kids would not have one thing to say about it. They would just have to suffer it quietly or loudly. It doesn't matter. But if we're going to do it, we're going to do it, and we'll do it to them. And there's no, um, there's no really power on their part. And so I believe husbands and wives have a lot of responsibility to... Um, um, once they have those children or through adoption or through birth, whatever, they, they have an opportunity to teach these three battlefronts and to teach how to do them well. The first one is I want to warn couples that are inspiration starved. Now, it might be that uh, in my relationship with Chris, there was a while there, a couple of years where she was receiving really healthy inspiration and I wasn't because I was acting out in a negative way. And so the idea between getting inspiration or not isn't always a consequence or a blessing from a higher power, <clears throat> but often you will receive the correct inspiration for your family if you're a prepared vessel for that inspiration. And so inspiration-starved couples often do not do as well in this world as couples that really seek a higher power's assistance in their in their marriage. So that's one front. Inspiration, time, time starved versus quality, quantity, time enhanced. If you're a couple that has 
a ton of stuff going on. Like say you're busy, your spouse is busy between running kids around, working, doing uh, things for your, uh, for your, say your church or doing things for your um, neighborhood, whatever you've got going on. If you've got yourself so legislated that dinner times are a distant memory, that um, time just sitting down and chatting is uh, something that you have to schedule in in a month because you don't have extra time. You are now officially what I would call a time-starved couple. So we'll talk about how uh, being time-starved will impact the family. And then the final one, it's uh, living with integrity. Living with integrity. Those are the three arenas that I believe the adversary of all that's good, the adversary of all that that is um, going to create peace and happiness within your family, if that adversary wants to destroy you, it will definitely get one of you to start lying. If one of you becomes <clears throat> a person that lacks integrity, if one of, if one of you becomes a person that um, breaks the moral code that you've began the family with, that creates this wedge between you and, the, and your partner that, that you must begin to compete with each other. You must begin to like, okay, I don't believe anything you say, so that means that um, every time we talk, there has to be a certain amount of defensiveness. There has to be a certain amount of uh, leeriness of, of what am I dealing with here? And if that becomes the way that you live your life with your spouse, you can see where that will eventually lead to a full-on competitive relationship that then re- leads to a full um, zero-sum game where one of you must win, one must lose. And as soon as you get into those types, you either become one of those lateral moving couples that is just looking for the next win or your marriage disintegrates in, uh, in, in intense pain and that unendurable pain leads to a divorce at, any, at any, uh, the next argument. And so I don't suggest any of that. So we're going to talk about um, inspiration-starved, time-starved, and truth-starved couples. And we're going to give you some really clear solutions to each of them. This is Dr. Matt with uh, St. George Center for Couples and Families, 435-688-1111. Give us a call and uh, suggest show topics. Uh, give me a quick compliment and, uh, and then um, ask for any kind of assistance that you need. We've got counselors that can give you uh, counseling or coaching for mood disorders, for court-ordered um, uh, dilemmas such as uh, DUIs and domestic violence and what have you. We got the evaluations for that. We also do marriage counseling. That's my specific specialty. I'm a marriage counselor by trade, uh, forensic psychologist uh, as a side, and we'll work with high conflict couples that uh, perhaps one has a personality disorder that, that really needs a lot of assistance in, in pulling in the right direction. Now, remember we spoke about this inspiration starved couple. So, <clears throat> Do you know what the number, maybe I'll ask Chris this, like Chris is in studio and, and maybe I can ask, what do you think, Chris, you're not looking up, I'm not sure why. Oh, there, nope, there she is almost. What do you think the number one thing in a really fairly healthy couple would stop a healthy flow of inspiration? What would you suggest? Now we have the music playing in the background and she got it, I think. She's exactly right. Not knowing each other. You know, what if a couple has, you know when you get married, you really know your, your partner, you know your lover because you've spent all that dating time working with each other, being impressive with each other. Does that make sense? You, you spent all of that time um, telling about yourself, asking questions about the other, you know, and, and, and really 
getting to know each other and then you decide to get married and 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 I really believe what happens is so many couples the purpose of dating is to get married. And you know human beings are so intelligent. We have this massive intelligence that's running in the in the background all the time. There's ego states as well as there's our our super ego id and ego that is just fully engaged and if we program ourselves as human beings to get married and dating is the the pathway to do that then the minute we're married we're done now we go to work and i vividly remember 30 years ago we've been married 30 years here in about a week we can have and no it's about 3 weeks sorry maybe it's a month i don't know anyway 30 years is coming up really fast and i remember we got married we went to california for our honeymoon because we were flat broke and uh spent time there in california came home and i went to work there was a time during our dating where the second i was off work i was waiting for her to get off work like if she got off work at uh, jb's back in the day here in st george up on boulevard at 2 in the morning i would be there at 155 and when she got off work i was there didn't matter if i slept nothing mattered All of a sudden we're married, we come home, I go to work and on the way home I run to the sporting goods store and look around for uh, for uh, roller skates or for um rollerblades. And then I mosey on home, ask what's for dinner. It's it's like that intensity to get with her left because I married her. Mission accomplished. Now she was much better. She was hyper focused on on that whole service thing because I think she wanted to get married and serve her husband, which what an awesome goal that is but the idea behind it is is that we rapidly lost touch with each other because i wasn't attentive and so if you stop talking with each other and i meet with couples on a regular basis that i will look at the wife and say well does he really believe what you just said he believed and she goes well yeah i go well, why don't you ask him and she'll say i don't have to ask him i already know what he's going to say See if you've fallen into the trap of I already know what my lover's going to say so I don't have to ask you are now officially working both sides of the relationship you're working both sides of the street if you picture a street there's that little yellow dotted line it's permeable so you know information but that yellow dotted line you keeps you on the right side of the road and the other person on their right side of the road and that way you can safely maneuver through life well relationships are much like that i've got my side of the street my wife's got her side of the street and as long as we work our own side of the street and communicate we'll be just fine if i if i'm turning left put on my left blinker she knows what i'm doing if i'm got my bright lights on put the dim lights on so she's comfortable see working your own side of the street means don't drive down the road with your bright lights on yelling out your window for her to dim her lights because her lights are hurting your eyes see really just monitor your lights when you dim your lights it'll throw a little reminder out there that we dim our lights she'll dim hers But the idea is, is don't work their side of the street. Don't go over there and start cleaning or yelling about the 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 mess. Just focus on yours. And so part of getting to know each other is to 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 spend time talking, not assuming. Spend time getting to know each other. I want to ask you how many of you know I wonder if Chris knows my top 5 needs to be happy. She says yes. So Do you know your spouse's? Do you know your lover's top 5 needs to be happy? How about three dreams? What are their three dreams? The things they fantasize about. So if you don't, I challenge you. You will not receive really healthy inspiration for each other if you don't know who the other one is. 
So I want to always know my, my wife's hopes and dreams. I want to always know her top five needs to be happy. And once you do that, that opens you up for inspiration from a higher power. So the foundation for this show is a, is a, a common belief that there is a higher power that's interested in you and your relationship. There's also an adversary, that opposition in everything that we do that, that also wants your relationship to fail. We believe that our higher power, our, our God, knows our thoughts, knows the feelings of our heart, and knows the intents of our behavior. We believe that the adversary doesn't know any such thing, but knows how to trick us by planting thoughts. So an adversary that can plant thoughts, but a higher power or a God that knows us and can support us is where the battle rages. And so if I have a thought planted in my heart that my wife is just hates me and that she's... Um, thinking bad thoughts about me. And so I start to feel this darkness well up inside and she's never said anything or done anything to say that, it, that it's true. That's probably a thought planted by an adversary. That's a silly example, but I want you to really pay attention to it. When you're just assuming and there's no confirmation, who knows where that thought came from, but we do know that there's an opposition that can plant thoughts. Lots of precedent for that. So Knowing each other and trusting what you know will leave you more open to that higher power, that Heavenly Father that can give you inspiration for each other. How about the second thing? The second thing that will help in opening up your marriage to healthy inspiration is love. Now, there's two words, love and empathy. I want to use both of them, and I want you to think of love as an intense feeling of deep affection. Does that make sense? An intense feeling of deep affection. You can love a lot of people. The love you have for your wife is that intense feeling of deep affection for her. And then you add to that the word empathy or that feeling of empathy, that, that way of being. And, and we define empathy by the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. So if I love my wife, that means I have this deep affection for her. I get to know her really well. And then if I have empathy, that means that she can share a feeling about what's going on. And whether I've experienced it with her or not, I can join her. I can feel it with her. So let's say her mom uh, uh, cracked a bone in her foot and her foot swole up and her mom's not able to walk very well. And, and she's getting up there in years. So, so her mom has some struggles. And so Chris is, let's say she's just really worried about her mom. Now, I'm not worried about my mom but I can understand worrying about moms. And so I join with Chris and I feel that same intense worry because I understand and I can share her feelings. And the only way to pull love and empathy off is to do it on purpose. Like they're not diseases that you catch. I promise you that. No, everybody that heard that, just let me just say it again, that love and empathy are not diseases that you catch. You don't breathe and all of a sudden you feel love and empathy. You have to do it on purpose. You have to get to know someone. You have to build a, a sense of, of friendship and camaraderie and then deepen that affection for that person until you have this deep and undying love and then start to really get to know their world and feel with them what they're feeling so that you can join with them. And man, that's why you don't dive right in and just tell them how to fix it. Well, if your mom can't get around very well, then why don't you get one of your siblings to go over there and, and help her? Or why don't we send one of the kids over to do all the heavy lifting? Well, that's not what she needs to hear. She needs to hear that, man, I'm really sad that our mom is, is not doing well. I'm really, I'm, I'm wishing that she uh, had more mobility. I'm wishing I'm with you. That's sad. 
That's um, something that maybe we ought to look at doing some things to serve her. See, now I'm joining her because she didn't just want a quick solution. She wants to know that you empathize, that you understand her, and that you're there with her, and that you're able to share those feelings with her. Now, the other one, so here's the other one that I'd like you to do. This one will definitely help you. And there's going to be some of you out there that's going to call me a nut job, one of those fanatics out there. But I'm just, I guess I want to give you a promise. I promise you that if you will do this third thing that I'm going to suggest, that you will open up the floodgates of inspiration, you'll open up the floodgates of love and of really clear, vulnerable intimacy. And all three of those things are good. Seek the advice of your higher power together. So imagine kneeling across the corner of your bed, holding hands with your spouse, And taking turns praying to a higher power over each other. To bless your spouse. To thank Heavenly Father for your spouse. And I know there's some of you out there that uh, maybe think that that's um, goofy. That that there really, you know, there might be a God, but but you're not going to ever see him. Or maybe some of you out there just don't believe in a God at all anymore. I guess what I want to challenge is to be vulnerable enough to give this a try. Kneel down together. It's one of the most intimate things you'll ever do. All physical intimacy included. Praying together over each other is one of the most intimate things that you'll ever do. And many of you will go to attempt this and will become almost so shy that it'll it'll hold you back if you're not careful. But if you charge in and if you kneel together, hold each other's hand and, and say a careful prayer, thanking a higher power, asking for blessings to be pronounced upon your lover, it will be an intimate, wonderful way to end and start every day. So if you think through this lens of an inspiration-starved couple will eventually go the way of the world, and often that means one of two things. That means roommates that just exist together with no passion, no juice, or divorced. I believe that all couples need to seek for and, and literally demand of themselves to earn the right for inspiration from a higher power that knows them and loves them. That way you can avoid the fiery darts from an adversary that will plant thoughts to destroy you. And so get to know each other. Get to know your hopes and dreams. Share love and affection and empathy, the ability to understand and share feelings with each other, and then seek the advice of your God in prayer with each other. I know many, many, many people that say prayers as individuals, but they won't pray as a couple because it's too intimate. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, you're married. It's okay to be intimate. Dive right in. Dr. Matt Eschler with a Southern Utah Counseling Experience coming to you live, 688-1111. Give us a call at any time for show topics and uh, uh, share show topics. Give us things you want us to research and and then uh, do a show on for you. Or give us some compliments. Tell us that we're doing, uh, (laughs) that I don't stutter. Tell us that. Only I just did. Uh, give us some uh, some ideas of how to make the show better. Give us some ideas on how to uh, to, to carry on in a way that would be uh, more watchable, more um, more good for you, more more quality. The second arena, time starved. Now this one is one that I really am concerned about. I'm concerned about this one in my own life. This week and last, I have taken more time off in snippets, like. Last year for uh, for summer, I took almost uh, a month and a half off. Isn't that right? We took about six weeks six weeks off, and so we took a lot of blocks of time. Now, now this year, we're going to try rather than weeks at a time. Though we might do a week here and there, 
It's we're trying snippets like a two-hour lunch break at the swimming pool. Thank you, Russ Clove at Crystal Inn, formerly known as Crystal Inn. Now it's something else. Man, if I'm going to congratulate him, I ought to get the name right. Anyway, I will. We, we'll go over there and, and jump in their pool for lunch for an hour. And right after I said that, I'm wondering if I'm supposed to keep that confidential. I can't remember. So forget that I said that. Taking a couple hours off here and a couple hours off there is foreign to me. I usually, I'll go to work at 7, I'll work till 7 at night, and then and then probably carry on afterwards in different callings and what have you. The idea of taking an hour off in the middle of the day is is something that was never allowed in my family of origin, never allowed uh, it, it, without feeling like you were just plain lazy. And so I guess I want to challenge you that you might want to question some of those messages from your family of origin so that you can uh, become more able to not starve your relationship of the time it needs to survive. See, you want to look at your relationship as a breathing, living thing. You want to look at your relationship as something that has a life of its own that if you nurture, feed, and give time to, your relationship will grow. And if you don't, it'll starve slowly to a slow, painful death. Everybody talks about quantity and quality, and they're both important. Quantity time is, uh, is when you just seek each other out. So my wife's over at her mother's house. I zip over there right after work. And the uh, first thing I want to do is find her. If I'm um, dealing with a couple of cancellations in the middle of the day, I'll immediately start texting to see where she's at. Or I'll do those creepy stalker things by uh, you know putting transmitters on her car and find a phone on her phone. And then I'll stalk her and find out where she's at and show up. See, those are quantity time things where you just seek each other out, look for reasons to be together rather than apart, and make it happen. So you might have two seconds for a hug, or you might have two hours for a quick swim, but it's unplanned, unstructured, and it's just trying to get some good quantity time together. Quality time's different. This is the one that a lot of couples completely fall apart in after they're married. Prior to marriage, Men will ask a, a woman out, their woman out on a date and they'll plan something and they'll, they'll plan some maybe chocolates or flowers and then uh, an activity and then they'll want to be impressive so they'll take them to a nice dinner and then they'll do maybe play miniature golf and then finish the evening off with uh, making out on the Red Hill. So they've got this whole thing planned out with, with step by step, uh, we're going to go do stuff. And then they get married and it's like, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? Uh, let's watch TV. Yeah, all right. What do you want to watch? And then they both get on their iPhones with the TV on in the background, and that's a date. See, that's not a date. That's just quantity time spent with other people on social media. So time-starved, quality time, there's one thing that's mandatory. The mandatory requirement of quality time is preparation. It requires preparation and thought. So you have to think to yourself, what is my relationship missing right now? Let's say it's missing intimacy. So what you do is you would plan, let's say it's missing uh, physical intimacy. You would plan a date around the romancing towards physical intimacy. You would maybe do something a little bit more um, quiet and romantic. And husbands, if you're smart, you would come home quickly from work and help get all the housework done and put in their proper order and help with the babysitters for the kids and really take all that pressure so your wife hits the date night that's romantic with no stress. And if you're hitting the date with no stress, you can then romance your wife throughout the evening towards some fantastic um, outcomes on the intimacy scales. And if 
the proper time, thought, and preparation went into it, that'll be a good quality date. What if your relationship's missing some uh, spontaneity and some adrenaline? Well, then maybe find a, a, an event somewhere that you can go to together and really get your voices going and cheer. But really, you have to talk with each other, determine what your budget allows, and then fit within your budget a, an activity that enhances something that one of you needs. That's a quality date. So quantity time is just fine time together. Quantity, quality, that's quantity time. Quality time is when you prepare a thoughtful date or a thoughtful chunk of time together. It could be a vacation date, could be just an afternoon, and then make it happen. The other thing that really affects families, so we've, we've got quantity and quality time, all of these other things that I'm going to talk about fit within either quantity or quality time, but it, now it's what we do with it. So here's what's missing. I was talking with a person today, and, and, and what she said quite literally is, uh, I, here's what I did. She's telling me about her day the day before because she feels like a failure. She said, I got up, did my scripture study. LDS women, faithful did her scripture study, and after scripture study, got her kids breakfast, and after kids breakfast, got her kids ready for uh, uh, school, not school, for uh, the, um, swim lessons, kind of like a school, and, and then took them to that, got them home from that, and then she went on to list, I kid you not, 49 hours worth of stuff that she did in, in probably 16 hours. So she basically packed, and, and she's almost done, and I'm thinking, my word, that's a lot, and then she's, oh yeah, and I gave all my kids haircuts because I cut their hair. And she's got like 19 kids. I don't know how many kids she's got. But anyway, the point is, is that her day was so packed that there absolutely would not be time for anything in the realm of self-care or relationship care. Now, the kids all felt cared for. They got haircuts. They got to swim lessons. But was there ever any relaxed, unscheduled time for conversations? So every couple, every husband and wife needs to have some very relaxed, unstructured time that allows for chatting, for a nap together, um, talking about new ways of being together, new ways of, uh, of, of, of going on a date, new ways of heading out on vacation, just literally chatting. You might research something together on uh, the internet just to, to work together on it. It's definitely not two people sitting on the couch playing words with friends with each other or someone else outside the world. It's not that. Relaxed, unstructured time is literally what I'm saying. It's we're not going to plan anything for this five hours and we're just going to hang with each other. So that's important. As you, as you think about this time starved, you want to know the purpose of your marriage. You want to consider everything that impacts time that impacts your schedule has to be spoken of with your spouse. So if you track with me here, time-starved couples die or they become roommates that just kind of like each other. You want to spend quantity and quality time together. You want to have some relaxed, unstructured time together. But you also want to be respectful of each other. And if you're going to commit to something that's going to require time, talk it over with your spouse first, not make agreements with the world, and then throw it on your spouse. And so literally, anytime someone asks for a piece of your time, you might be at your religious organization and you're asked to teach a class that you know is going to 
cost time during the week in preparation. Say, hold on, I need to talk with my spouse. You're not asking permission. You're assessing how are we doing with time. And if every moment is filled with some doing that you're not being with each other, then you've got to stop. You've got to say no to some things. And I know people that find it near impossible to say no. If I was a, an adversary of family, if I was a devil or a Satan that wanted to destroy families, in a lot of you all that I meet, I would just have people ask you to do stuff until you had no time left for self-care or relationship care, and then I've won. You pretty much, because you won't say no, because you, you believe that would be rude, you destroy the very relationships that you love the most. And so really check in with each other and be honest with each other. Social media. Social media can be good and bad. See, social media is, is a, a tool that you can use to enhance your marriage. Like, I'll send cute little uh, pictures to my wife. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'll send little memes, I think they call them. And, and I try to do them well thought out. I try to look through a bunch of them with a specific topic because I want to tease or I want to like give her a thought or I want to get her thinking about something and then I'll send it. But I'll never just randomly send one. I'll make sure that it's thought-filled. I'll make sure that I, I know why I'm sending it. I'm sending her a specific message. And then she'll, uh, she'll often throw something back to me. Um, the idea of social media being good and bad is that the good side of it is, is that you can use it to flirt. You can use it to, uh, to, uh, to, to talk with each other, to organize activities. You can use it to... Um, check in and just uh, you know let each other know that you love each other, let each other know what you're doing. Now, it can also be bad. Social media can rob you of your marriage. It can rob you of so much time because of some of the getting lost in it that you'll eventually just lose track of each other. How many of you have went to a restaurant with your wife or with your husband and checked Facebook, took pictures of your food for Instagram and Snapchatted uh, 10 people and then next thing you know you're uh, halfway through dinner and you really haven't even looked into each other's eyes and shared any loving thoughts see we can become so not vulnerable with each other because we're on the internet sharing where there is no vulnerability See, you don't have to be vulnerable on social media you can share a thought on instagram without being vulnerable but to look into a live person's eyes and share loving thoughts is vulnerable and a lot of people avoid that to the point of, I'm going to do social media because then I don't have to look into his eyes. So negative uses are, are you seek comfort outside the marriage because you're not willing to be vulnerable inside the marriage. If you're emotionally connecting all over the world, but not with your partner, you're doing it wrong. If you avoid conflict by not dealing with it, but text friends, play words with friends, play Candy Crush, it's a way to like not fight, but it's also a way of not engaging with the person that's in, in your house. Positive uses of social media. I've already mentioned some, but I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you six assignments. Now, Chris is going to listen to this because I'm going to see what she does with this. I want you to write these down and I want you to do these every day. I'm going to do them every day. Chris is going to do them every day. I'm challenging you all to do these six things every day uh, via your, your smartphone. Now, Right now, there's a, 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 
a social warrior out there that is saying, but what about those people that don't have iPhones or uh, Androids and they don't have uh, they don't have ability to do this? Well, if you don't, then write a note. Write a note and hand it to each other at the end of the day. That's okay too. But use your phone, text these. I want you to I want you to share one funny story every day. So during the day, find something that you believe that your lover would find funny and share it. Every single day, one funny story. What that's going to do is it's going to have you laughing at someone's joke, but thinking about your partner and sharing it with them so it literally brings them into your life so you're not, uh, you're not driving a wedge. Number two, share one thing that you're disappointed in. <laughs> and if it's always your spouse, you're doing it wrong. Share one thing you're disappointed in. Like share one disappointment in maybe how somebody treated you or how a, a, a work project went. But a disappointment and share it every day. Just for a week. And next Friday, we're going to check in with Chris and see how she did. I'll tell you how I did. And we'll ask you all how you did. Share one hot memory from your history. So I've been married 30 years. There's a, a billion hot memories. We're going to share one every day. Hey, you remember when? And, and maybe it'll be something that was triggered as you were going through your day. Like, oh man, I remember that overpass. I remember the first overpass Chris and I made out under. It's the one down there by the pink doctor's building, that doctor's clinic, the... Uh, 7th South one. And uh, I don't know how she got me there, but all of a sudden she's kissing me. I can't believe it. I don't know how I got so lucky, but she literally jumped me there. And it was kind of an interesting thing. So I want you to share hot memories from your history. Every day, share one big feeling, something that was a little overwhelming. Like maybe you had some overwhelmingly uh, uh, fear, overwhelming love, overwhelming faith. Share one big overwhelm. Every single day, share share. A little bit about what you're doing at each crossroad. Just see if that's monotonous or if it's okay. And I'm not saying you're doing this because you're checking up on each other. You're staying connected. So I go from work to uh, the radio station. I would quick check in. Hey, leaving work and the radio station. What are you up to? And and she'll respond. But every time you change locations or activities or, or, or things that you're up to, just check in and say what you're doing. And then every week, the number six, offer service before you come home. So shoot a quick text. Hey, I'm dropping by Albertsons. Do you want me to bring home anything? Or do you need me to grab you something? Do you need to go anywhere? Should I hurry home early? Offer service before you come home at some point during the day. So share a funny story. Share one disappointment, one hot memory from your history, one big feeling, what you're doing at each crossroads of, of change of activity and offer service. Every single day for seven days, give that a shot. And just see if it doesn't enhance the connection of the relationship. Because in spiritual warfare, with a, an adversary that wants to destroy marriage, if you're fighting that with connection, empathy, and love, you will win. And that's the reality of it. The third front, the final portion of the show. Dr. Matt Eschler with a Southern Utah Counseling Experience. Uh, recently merged with St. George Center for Couples and Families. Uh, we have offices in St. George, Hurricane, Cedar City, Richfield, and Delta. Uh, happy to serve you. We, we cover uh, all of the different therapeutic topics that you'd expect, uh, depression, anxiety, um, individual uh, grievances, um, uh, inability to find peace. We coach people in, in higher levels of success. And then my personal specialty is high-conflict marriage, where I work with couples in this spiritual warfare against an adversary that's trying to destroy their marriage. One thing that is really hit home to me, because this is one that um, I'm embarrassed to say that I've struggled with at times, 
because I have uh, this rare disorder called entitlement. Like I really kind of just want to do what I want to do. Now, I don't think that that's such a bad thing to want to do what you want to. In fact, one of the things that Chris finds um, attractive about me is that I get things done. Like if I want this, uh, I wanted to be a, a marriage counselor. I was terrible at university settings. I was terrible in the college settings. But I went after it and I got it. If I want a new vehicle, I'll go after it and I'll get it. If I want uh, a certain activity, I'll go after it and I'll get it. So I don't really ever not get what I want. And so part of the agenda, though, at times, is the ends, in my mind, sometimes justify the means of getting there. And so sometimes I won't communicate, so I'll do some lies of omission, or sometimes I'll hedge my... Uh, my truth, and I'll blow things up a little bit and exaggerate. And and really what she's saying in her mind right now is, no, why don't you just, sometimes you lie. So sometimes I lie to get things done, and I can't do that. I'm just telling you that can't happen. And so I need to repent every time I do that quickly because it goes against the morals and values of, of marriage. And so what I want to teach and what I want to commit to is in this battle against an adversary that wants to destroy my marriage, that wants to destroy your marriage, how about we all take a quick, deep breath and commit to living a transparent life with your spouse, almost forcing you then to be honest because if you're not going to tell them that you do a certain thing because you're embarrassed, maybe you shouldn't do that certain thing. And if you commit to tell them what you're up to, it will filter some of the things out that go against your couple's purpose. See, I've done a ton of interviews, forensic interviews for 30 years. And I'm going to tell you the values that, that um, couples have, the things that couples want in the relationship the very most are love, safety, juicy romance, affection. They want to have desire and they want to feel desirable to their mate. <clears throat> if you think about those words and what they mean, Love, that, that deep affection. Safety, the feeling of connection, closeness, and knowledge that, that your lover has your back. Romance, that letting your guard down and be completely vulnerable and romantic. Affection, that sharing of physical and non-sexual both affection. And that being desirable and being desired. All of those things are killed immediately by secrecy and dishonesty. And I want to tell you some of the biggest pain in my relationship, some of the biggest pain in relationships in, in general come from secrecy. See, here's how it works. You do something that you know is contrary to the marital purpose. And then you say to yourself, but I just won't tell her. I just won't tell him. And if they don't know about it, they act like everything's fine. They're happy. They're connected. So why ruin that by telling them the truth about what you've done? And then all of a sudden, nine months later, nine months, three hours, and six minutes later, they find out. It just shows up. It comes up in a conversation or it comes up on a police report. <laughs> I hope it's not that bad. It shows up when somebody that saw you do the naughty thing, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, your spouse, your lover, looks at you with brand new eyes. They see you as one that doesn't have their back, that doesn't protect them by giving them you all the way. 
they see you as one that you did something with another group of people or another in another setting and then you withheld it from them which means the whole time you did that and the whole time you withheld it you were withholding a part of you from your partner and now they have to look at you like well how many people or how many things or how many activities am I sharing you with and how well do I really know you and so we can go all the way from I went to uh, play baseball without telling you because I didn't I didn't want to help you clean the bathrooms all the way over here to infidelity and everything in between. See, infidelity is a big secret that you keep. Sneaking around to do hobbies that might get you in trouble because you're supposed to be being responsible at that moment, but then you just lie about it maybe and say that you got a flat tire so they can't really get mad at you. See, all of that, all the way over to infidelity, creates this, this belief in the heart and soul of your, of your partner, your lover, that they don't always have you watching out for them. And if they don't feel like you're always watching out for them, if they feel like maybe part of the time you're, you're selfishly um, going around them, they feel lonely. And you know what? You might get some adrenaline in the lie. You might get some adrenaline in the deceit, in the secrecy. But in the end, you'll feel lonely. And now Satan, the adversary of all good marriages, has two lonely people married together not really being vulnerable with each other, not really then being transparent with each other because they won't be vulnerable. And that is the recipe for divorce. That's a recipe for uh, indifference, for, for contention. And, and really in the end, whether you divorce or not, it, you're miserable. So honesty and living with integrity is one of the most important things in the battle against Satan that's trying to destroy your marriage. And, and I'm telling you the hardest thing to do is this assignment I'm going to give you. Now, I, I believe that my wife would have an easy time with this assignment, and it's because of the life she's lived, but I believe that there's some of us out there that this assignment is maybe in some cases stoppable. It might just stop you in your tracks, but I'm going to challenge you to do it. I'm going to challenge you to write your moral inventory. Those of you that have done the AA program know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll explain it to the rest of you. Your moral inventory is you go back to your earliest childhood memory, and you start writing every single thing that you've done that you ought to repent of. Every single thing that you've done that you ought to make amends for somewhere. And then you fix what you can and let go of the rest. Turn it over to your higher power. Let go and let God take care of it. Literally writing that moral inventory, that inventory of things that you must fix, or release yourself from through repentance is, is it's going to challenge you. It's going to cause you some tears. It's going to cause you some, maybe even some traumas. But once you are complete and completely wrung out and you've done all you can, you recognize that you have a higher power that just loves you, already knows about all that stuff and loves you nonetheless. But you're then that person that has no secrets that are stirring around in there. Have you ever had a secret? Like maybe some something that you did that you really shouldn't have done and you hold it inside and then you're faced with another decision of right versus wrong and your brain automatically jumps to this thought. Satan plants this thought. The adversary of all that's good plants the thought, you're already bad. You know that secret you're keeping. What's one more thing? It'll feel good for a minute. Everybody else is doing it. You have the right. She's mean to you anyway. 
See, these thoughts planted drive you towards making the wrong decision all because you kept a secret and that adversary that doesn't want you to be happy will remind you that you have a secret and that you're already bad. So do this other bad thing. Just do it. It'll feel good for a minute. Give you a little break from your sad, sorry life. See, that, that is how the adversary works and it kills people, destroys relationships. But if you refuse to keep secrets, if you refuse anything shy of transparent with your spouse, if you choose that, you won't have that problem. You won't have any inclination that you're already a train wreck. You'll make mistakes, sure. You're, you'll do 20% awesome, 80% train wreck, but you'll clear it up in, in moment by moment rather than wait decades and, and grind away. So transparency versus secrecy. Don't omit things you should say and don't commit things you ought not to commit. And if you do, talk about it. See, those three fronts will save your life and will save your family. I just want to reiterate, this is Dr. Matt with a Southern Utah Counseling Experience coming to you live with a show that may be rejected by many, but I hope I touch some that as a warrior on the front line in the battle for your family, you need inspiration. Do not become an inspiration-starved person. You and your spouse seek the advice of a higher power that loves you by prayer together. Learn how to love and learn how to give empathy, the ability to understand and share feelings with each other. Work on being time-starved. Warfront with the adversary number two. The adversary would have you become so legislated that you have zero time left over for yourself and your relationship. So time-starved couples die. Time-starved couples stop nurturing to a, to, to a huge extent. Quantity time means you seek each other out and you spend time with each other. Quality time means that you prepare and take thoughtful time together and build a date night. Learn to relax and have unscheduled, unstructured time as well. Watch out for social media. Use it for good. I gave you six things to do. Share a funny story. Share a disappointment every day. Share a hot memory from your couple's history. Share one big feeling. Talk about what you're doing throughout the day and offer service to each other. See, if you do those with social media, those six things, it'll enhance your relationship. Live with integrity is the final war front. The adversary against all that's good cannot live in an honest house. If you tell the truth, the adversary of all that's good and, and desirable in a relationship will have to leave you alone. You'll thrive with love, safety, romance, juicy romance, affection, and you'll have desire for each other. Secrecy and dishonesty kill every one of those things. Transparency and integrity enhances them. So as you move forward, I just challenge you. Go back and re-listen to this show. See if, you, see if you can pick out some areas that you can improve in. And I would suggest that not one of you attempt at all to be perfect, but every one of you attempt to get a little bit better. That's what I'm going to do. I know that's what my spouse is going to do. Take your relationship to a whole other level. We're going to talk more about uh, some of these arenas, especially the time-starved one next week. And I do appreciate you tuning in. We will uh, talk to you again. This is Dr. Matt with a Center for Couples and Families. We'll get back with you in a week.